Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello. Now, initially, we were going to title this Red Dead Redemption 2 Doesn't Deserve Game of the Year 2018. Fight tooth and nail, so we didn't <laughs> title it like that. So we'll see how the likes and dislikes go uh, from the reactionary stance of people checking out the title and then going, oh, dear God, and downvoting it. But this will be a 50-50 debate. I, uh, Josh is arguing for uh, the Red Dead Redemption 2 being Game of the Year 2018. I'm going to present some reasons as to why I don't think it should be. Um, and we'll kind of go from there. We've got a lot of time to pass these things out and obviously you guys can let us know what you think down in the comments all for conversation nuance and debate so um you hit credits the uh, last week i think it was yep just uh, after your wedding actually yes and uh which you know happy married and all that but uh you were saying that you thought the epilogue was a bit of a slog we've got some points to hit here but i kind of want to just go with immediate thoughts and we'll kind of extrapolate from there yeah so um yeah for my my whole thing was i thought that the chapter six was just an ungodly badly paced thing uh from other, another thing Full spoilers for this entire thing as well. Oh, yeah. Got to point that out. Um, so from the start of chapter six, when Arthur gets diagnosed with tuberculosis, yes. that thing kind of completely broke the pacing for me because I was like, well, nothing matters anymore. And then I thought the game itself still had way too much packed into chapter six. It was just just a slog, just riding point to point to point, And it just kind of just fell apart. I've not, there was no reason for me to indulge in anything because I knew he was going to die. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you get to the epilogue, and that is unbelievably long as well. Um, but I think you can leap in here because that was the bit that you thought well, here's the thing where I, I, I agree and disagree, because mm. the epilogue, in my opinion, was um, a touch of a slog, but I couldn't... Well, I, I do agree with you on Chapter 6. Chapter 6 takes a definite turn where you don't want to indulge in that wider open world. You don't want to do the activities you've been doing, but I think that is very intentional, mm. and it is deserved when you get the at least the emotional feeling I got from seeing Arthur sort of get diagnosed and then how he had to respond to it how you responded as a player to not want to go around robbing and not want to go around <laughs> wasting your final moments or whatever I thought that worked but the epilogue on the other hand was certainly a weird note to end the game on mm. especially after like you know the rousing emotion of that final um, chapter and mm. then it just went on and on and on and there's a lot to live in there man that air montage of when you're building the house is like okay, that, downright awesome I love that that might be Loki my favourite thing in the whole game right. I, like because one of the things that I think elevates Red Dead is like they have all these horrible sort of like drawn out slot like people have talked a lot about the busy work in the game yeah. and the, the sort of the slog and the drawn out hunting mechanics or like the camp stuff or whatever just even the basic animation priority like you know makes everything slower but I kind of think all of that is in service of those little pockets of humanity where things come together and you, you feel like a sense of life amongst like 
like the Wild West. Yeah. And so that bit, when when the house started coming together and they had that lush little song um, about like building your house together, give me a nail and I'll hammer it and all that kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, I get it. Like I, all of this was for this and I really value the ranch and stuff. But that doesn't get around the fact that it takes a good three hours to get to that bit. Honestly, you told me it was a four-hour long epilogue, which, totally I was think, yeah. which I was bracing myself for. It took me way longer than that <laughs> to get through it. Maybe because I was doing the couple of bounties that popped right. up and doing a couple other things. But I wasn't, like, wasting time. It just took me a long time to get through mm-hmm. it. And it did take far too long, in my opinion. Yeah. But it's like those pockets of humanity that you said. That's why I think the game works so well because everything is in service of that sort of sense of community, that sense mm. of humanity that's at the heart of like these outlaws at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have that at the end of the game, it's sort of, it just becomes another open world game, if that makes sense. The activities you do in are compelling enough and they are fun. I enjoy hunting, I enjoy seeking out these cabins, mm-hmm. but chapter two, three, four, and uh, even into six to an extent worked so well because everything you were doing were in, was in service of those pockets of humanity in service of the camp in service yeah. of keeping those characters you know their morale up interacting with them and stuff like that see that's where we get to some big fundamental issues because I yeah for the, for chapters 1 to 5 especially um, 2, 3 and 4 and especially chapter 3 when you're in the heart of that stuff I, I I loved it and I could suspend my disbelief and be like okay I'm building towards something huge or I'm like playing this like fundamental role in the whole story and like I'm, I'm you know I'm bringing carcasses back to camp I'm helping cook stuff like I'm helping Pearson like change the broth that he's making or whatever and I'm going out and I'm eating the dishes and stuff and I'm dancing with people and I loved all that stuff but I kind of thought they were going somewhere with it that they just never were yeah. like because like when you really boil it down and I have to get all mechanical about it but when you really boil it down like camp maintenance is the ledger where you just like run down a bunch of like you know like pay for this and then the icon changes color and once you've done all those upgrades you only need to do them once mm-hmm. and then once they're done you just check out the ledger re-up the meds re-up the ammo and then that's it you never really do anything else and the camp doesn't play into anything else for the rest of the story it's it is I don't want to call it just busy work because I do think it has like narrative weight and like and I do care about the the camp members and everything. But like all this is kind of why I think the whole thing doesn't coalesce because you have all these like you have all these side things that you can do all these like you know like uh, hunting and gathering and all the side missions and the character interactions and everything. All these things that you can do that would shape Arthur as a person. And then you get to the end and all you were really building towards was a 50-50 split. If you were above 50 on the honor meter, you get one ending. And if you're below it, you get the other one. You're either the best person ever or you're someone who can go out peacefully or you're a dog and you get put down. And like that left me with such a horrible feeling of, well, what was even the point? And so like, because I was on the fifth, I was right in the middle. Um, But in that chapter six, after the diagnosis, I just started being like, well, I'm not going to bother doing the X stuff so I just did the main missions but I mustn't have been high enough on it so Micah just executed me yeah and I was like okay all of that slog all the time that I put into all of these separate things didn't really result in anything yeah and you can argue that that's the point because it's the wild west and you know people did just get put out to pasture because they were outlaws their time was over but I just think the amount of effort they put into that wider world I, I think it sucks that they couldn't bring it all together for me I know what you're saying and I do kind of see how annoying it is to just have that 50-50 split but mm. for me the the payoff to that camp stuff actually comes before the ending and it comes mm. in that chapter 6 where everyone's just leaving and everyone's just abandoning you and everyone's turning against you mm-hmm. and for me that was that made it worthwhile that made me investing in the camp beforehand and putting all my money in and trying my best to keep it as upkept as possible and interacting with everyone and becoming their friends mm-hmm. that hit so much harder when in chapter 6 everyone is leaving you and everyone is turning their backs on you and sort of you're like what was the point of this I've, I've spent my entire life mm-hmm. and in game life and Arthur's you know in narrative <laughs> life it's a long game yeah being loyal uh, yeah literally my entire life say, yeah. uh, um, being loyal to these people and trying to help them and see them turn on you and see them just not 
not care or appreciate anything you're doing. That, for me, was the payoff to it, mm. not so much whatever specific ending you got. I think, for me, it, it came off as, like, a petering out because, like, you, you have meaningful interactions with, like, Mary Beth and Lenny. Like, you have the whole Lenny, like, the drinking yeah. mission. You have certain people like Pearson as well. You check in with them regularly. You have all those kind of interactions that feel meaningful. And you can go find Pearson in the epilogue and, and hang out with him and stuff. Um, but I just, like I said, I think it, that stuff kind of peters out because, like, I don't know, it's weird. They hang a lot of the, the camp falling apart on Molly, uh, Molly O'Shea, which is, like, Dutch's mistress. Yeah. Uh, she just comes in and she's like, oh, I've dimed you out. And then, like, she gets shot by Miss Grimshaw. And uh, and you kind of just go, like, okay. Like, like Molly wasn't a fundamental part of anything beforehand. So for her to, like, betray the camp and trigger what eventually results in everyone going their separate ways, for me, didn't land at all because I was like, who is this character, really? Yeah. And, like, and even though I had spent time hanging out with him, I mean, I must have put about 80 hours into this, the story. And I did hang out with all those separate people. It just felt that, like, in Chapter 6, when everything is supposed to be meaning something, mm -hmm. that those interactions don't pay off because you can't have any meaningful conversations with people about Arthur's disease yeah. or the fact that he's not like he can't in, in theory he can't fundamentally be as effective to the camp or the people as he could before and so it's weird because he gets diagnosed and then every conversation you have with someone like the dialogue now is him wheezing his way in mm -hmm. and then they go like they might go are you okay and he goes yeah I'm fine I can get on with it and then you just get on with it yeah. and I was like what? there's no like slow degradation there's no slow like real weight to anything it just kind of felt like like I'm dying and this thing it's just it's just dragging out like I yeah. just didn't really know what they wanted me to feel I think it's the whole redemption thing yeah yeah theory, it's but... just playing to the title I think for mm -hmm. me that was kind of again I'd, I'd maybe giving it giving it too much credit for mm -hmm. me that was sort of intentional really when I was trying to give those uh, when I was trying to talk to people like about my illness and then he wouldn't talk to me about it like, mm -hmm. you'd make reference to it like Mika would Micah would call you uh, like Black, Black Lung. Lung or something or Bill would give you grief for not being as strong as you used to be Dutch doesn't even notice Dutch doesn't even notice and I think oh if he does he doesn't care he doesn't and I think anything. that is intentional because mm -hmm. at the end he does leave you to die when you're trying to save eagle flies and mm -hmm. it's like I think all of those little interactions and the lack of any closure or connection to these people over that illness mm -hmm. worked for me because then it was adding into that realization of my, like my god I've wasted my time with these people they, <laughs> well some of them do people mm -hmm. like John Abigail uh, they, they care but the people I was closest to Dutch Bill like my ride or die bros they right. just do not fundamentally care about me and I was like that played into the themes of, well, I guess I think, this is falling apart. I think you've kind of got to go digging for that realization, though, because, like, that's the thing. Like, Dutch just doesn't say anything at all. There's not even any, like, shots in. There's not even any cutscenes where they show him not look, like, not looking when you're talking or something, something that could have hinted at the fact that he just thinks of you as this, like, expendable outlaw. Yeah. Because clearly he does. His whole, like, you know, the way that he values people is just they're expendable. They're assets to be used, and he moves on. And like, that's kind of his thing. But, yeah, because they don't bring that stuff together, I, I've kind of got to go looking for it. And to be honest, I, I've, I've written this whole thing. It'll be an editorial on the on the it's already on the website but it'll be a video at some point about how if you play Red Dead Redemption 2 like a Rockstar game then they just put you out to pasture because yeah. you are supposed to have that redemptive arc at the end you are supposed to like you know realize your own mortality mortality and then mature because of it and do the best that you can yeah. but I don't think they seed that in the preceding chapters at all like so that and because it's a Rockstar game and because yeah. there's like so much like comedic writing in the NPC dialogue or the things that Arthur says if you start like messing around or whatever they encourage you to some degree especially because of how fast your honor goes south if you do anything negative they kind of encourage you to just mess around and have fun with it and so but if you do that you get the worst ending and so like mm. my whole thing I've started having this like kind of reflective thing on the entire game where I'm like one what was it all for yeah and then two like the, the the systems that they've put in place actively give you a hollow kind of ending whereas like it didn't for you because you had the sunrise ending yeah um but for me it just kind of didn't this come is together. this is the bit where we completely disagree yes good like, which, which is great because um you know <laughs> you say like it punishes you for 
it being a Rockstar game, and I only think it does once you hit chapter six. Before then, mm. you're like encouraged to go wild. You're encouraged to be this outlaw. You're encouraged to rob people and take the money back. You're encouraged to rob trains and take that money back to your mm-hmm. camp and support mm-hmm. this camp. But when you are hit with that diagnosis, me as a player felt that sort of weight of mm. it. Like, oh, well, what's the point? I don't want to be this horrible person. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spend my final days like being this horrible outlaw. I kind of want to get redeemed and make amends for it. And I do mm-hmm. think that is seeded in the game before then because even in some of the activities you're doing earlier on in the game, like when you're collecting money for Strauss and you're beating people up, I had this conversation with you and you, and as soon as that happened, like mm. really early on, and I felt like kind of ugly for doing it. You like it's it just feels incongruent with who Arthur is as a person. And I think that sort of disassociation between what he's doing and who he really is is seeded from the beginning, and then that comes out fully in the end, which makes you as a player kind of want to engage with the game differently and not play play it as a Rockstar game. I think it does punish you. But I, at that point, I think, at least for me, I didn't want to play it as a Rockstar mm. game anymore, and I think that is the point. I think that's opinion. that's what the that's what my editorial is going to be on because I think they wanted to like they, they tried maturity back in GTA 4. They tried to give you more realistic motivations. The whole like you know how hollow is the American dream and all like yeah. what is it like to be Nico and all that kind of stuff and like it didn't land. And so like they've kind of they backtracked on it with GTA 5 and then they came back with this. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I do think that's what they're going for. Don't know what that noise was, but I do think that's what they're going for. I think yeah. they want you to have this like self-reflective. You know, like opinion or like kind of viewpoint on where you've come from and what you've been doing. But I don't necessarily think that they encourage you too much towards the nefarious stuff in the earlier chapters because if you sit down with Mary Beth, then uh, Arthur's like everything he says, it just it never landed for me at all. Because right. everything he said was counterintuitive to, to to what he was doing. Like it was the lunar narrative dissonance problem that GTA 4 had, where Nico would be complaining about want and violence in a cutscene, but then you could just make him go and destroy people, or he would do that in a mission and it didn't line up. So with Arthur, yeah. like he you sit down with Mary Beth and he's like, I've just been killing people, I've been slaughtering wildlife. I don't even know why I'm doing it or whatever. And it's like, well one you getting wildlife for the camp we've established this and two the people that you're killing are witnesses that need to be silenced or they're ones in missions it never yeah. felt like his dialogue lined up with anything that was going on in the real world see again I couldn't completely disagree more <laughs> because to me that was directly addressing that sort of ludo narrative right. distance it, like you are of course you know killing people who need to be killed and hunting things and bringing it back to the camp mm-hmm. but you only get those dialogue triggers if you are not bringing things back to the camp if you're running things over with your horse if you're shooting things and you don't end up using them like mm. either their items or you don't end up bringing them back that's when you get like oh, I've been killing animals just willy-nilly. I've been killing people. But they don't acknowledge that it's an accident, though. Like, because that's the thing. Everyone's going to run into something by accident. But then he talks about it as if you've just been slaughtering horses or whatever. And it's like, nah, that's... For me, that was a disconnect. And so, like, that's the thing. The more that they build this world that is so meticulous and obviously it's belabored, the amount of time that's gone into perfecting this, like, open world, the more that every, like, aspect of it feels like it should be all pre-thought out. Yeah. And so, like, when you have something like that where he just says something that doesn't really land or he talks about himself being like, I only kill people that need to be killed. And I'm like, no, you don't. Mm. You just you just butchered someone for looking at you wrong or whatever. And obviously that's my choice to do that, but that should then be reflected in Arthur as a character. And I think that they want to write Arthur in a certain way because they need you to have the, the payoff at the end. They need you to be more like moralistically whole yeah. or like, uh, you know, morally whole. And so like when that, like if you play against that, it just breaks everything because it's like, unless you go with the whole, if you can't even get above the 50-50 mark on the honor, then we're just going to put you down. If you can't learn from your mistakes, yeah. we're just going to put you down that's kind of the core of the editorial thing that i wrote but in the preceding chapters like none of that
that really coalesced for me. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I really love Arthur. I think he's a great character. And I'm like, yeah, he's fine. I like the sketches that he does. And I think there's more to him. Yeah. But he just never, he wasn't really a character. He was like this weird kind of half cipher avatar for me. Yeah. And I could play him in a certain way and some dialogue will make sense. But then other bits, all the other main beats of the story don't really work. His moral values are there and they're not like in certain cutscenes with Dutch and whatever. So I, I kind of think for me, Rockstar struggled to like coalesce the story with the open world, which is another larger thing. Because um, I think a lot of people get the story out of the way so they can enjoy the open world. Like I've got a new save in chapter mm-hmm. three because um, I like the open world a lot more than going through the story. But I mean, what do you think in terms of like prioritizing one or the other? Do you think they coalesce that, that that's, way? That's interesting, actually, because when I finished the game and you do just get to roam the, the, the wilderness and you get mm. to do whatever you want to do, I found that far less compelling than when I had a story motivation to do it. I know mm. you mean going back to like chapter two and three when you do have the camp and you have those systems in place. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really worth addressing very quickly, though, that because of the way the epilogue ends, you end as John Marston, but you get given the open world, including the map of Red Dead 1 that's like bolted onto the bottom yeah. of the two map. But because of the way that him and Abigail talk, and Abigail's like, can you just, can you give up the outlaw life? I need you to settle down. I need to be safe. I need you to stop bringing trouble to our door. Then the only one time that he like defies that and goes against it is to finish off Micah and get revenge. Yeah. And so when he comes back and they settle down and you even get the montage of him eating food with uncle, it makes no sense whatsoever for you to go back out into the world again. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is what I don't have a problem with, but what I was thinking always throughout the game. It was mm. the same when you got like diagnosed with tuberculosis and you just think, well, what's the point? I don't want to engage with this. And when the camp falls apart, and you're mm. like, well, I don't really care anymore. And it's the same when you get John Marston. Mm. You're like, well, Abigail wants me to be uh, this person and John is trying so hard to be yeah. this person. Why would I go out and start, you know, killing people in shacks and yeah. stuff and killing people? And, and then lying to your wife. But I think that's 
fine and works because I, I personally, I'd prefer that and to have like a satisfying story, emotional payoff and mm. reason and contextualization for what you're doing rather than just, he's a bunch of really cool mechanics and open world stuff because <laughs> any game has that. Like Assassin's Creed Odyssey has that. A lot of open mm. world games have that sort of mechanical draw, whereas this meshed them together in a way that I thought was really great but does indeed sort of leave it kind of lacking when the story part isn't there. Yeah, well, I think that's what they want the biggest take. They, obviously, they want the biggest takeaway to be this like destitute look at Wild West life, where it's like, what was it all for? Well, you know, the, the little tiniest pockets of humanity, and they're literally like like tiny specks of positivity in an otherwise completely bleak world. Like the first time you do the campfire, I think it's in chapter two. Yeah, uh, where you get a dancer on the campfire and everyone's dancing together. I love so that. good. That's one of my favorite moments in the game, um, and one of the things that I think makes all the slog stuff worth it because they pay it off. But they they want you to sort of come away with this like yeah feeling of like what's it all for it was a big waste mm -hmm. and um what did i really accomplish and it's weird because putting value on that is going to differ person to person um for me when the credits hit i was glad that it was done because i was just like i wanted to see the end of it because then yeah. i can enjoy the hunting stuff but that fundamental takeaway i just I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know how much we have to just give Rockstar like the authored assumption that they wanted you to feel that, yeah. or it's because it like this, the systems don't coalesce, the camp stuff doesn't really mean anything, and those relationships with the wider camp members don't really mean as much as like something like a, a Micah interaction or a Dutch interaction, like all these elements that are sort of just there, and you can interact with them if you want, but I just... I would love it if it came together more, just more holistically. Yeah. Like I just, by the time I'm at the end credits and I think back of all the time I put into it, um, there's all these like disparate things. Hunting's kind of over there, but it doesn't really matter. You can go to Saint Denis, there's all these comments on high society, it doesn't really matter. There's all the Native American stuff that doesn't really matter. It's kind of crowbarred into chapter six. And so for me, it's all these like disparate parts that I think is them painting a picture of the Wild West. But the takeaway is that 90% of it was a big old waste of time and a complete moral cluster F. Yeah. And it didn't really, you know, people like Arthur tried their best in some cases, but just got put out to pasture. And I don't really know what I'm supposed to take from that, other than right. just it's a big old depressing time. See, that's what I don't get. I don't I don't think at all that it was ever a waste of time or like mm. that those things didn't matter. Like, I agree that the uh, the final um, stuff with Eagle Flies and Rains Falls was a bit crowbarred on. Mm. And I would have liked to have that seeded a bit more before then. But for me, like, that mattered because it mattered to Arthur and like mm -hmm. who he was as a person and how he developed like even the interactions with the camp is I thought they came together because even if you were out hunting it sort of showed who Arthur was he was ready to do like these this busy work that anyone mm. could have and they're just sitting on the ass doing nothing <laughs> and that <laughs> sort cool. of fed into your relationship with this person you were playing as and I like that you mentioned that Arthur was sort of this 50% a character and 50% mm. an avatar for who I am and mm -hmm. who I want him to be I didn't I didn't get that at all in a way. Right. I thought I was all the way through. I was playing it as if I was this character. I was making decisions as if I was him rather than as if I was just in the Wild West. See, that's one of the biggest things because I couldn't tell you what Arthur is as a character because like, because of how much input I have on his everyday actions. Yeah. So like for me, he's someone who likes to hunt and skin and he's like, he's got a solid moral core. Like he's not just going to go out of his way to butcher people. He can. Um, and that's the thing. They try and justify it in the game by saying like, well, you know, he whatever needs to be done, he'll do it. And it's like, okay, fine. And like, he's he's so desensitized. There's one, one of the conversations you can have with Mary Beth he's like oh times are changing um, and uh, we won't be able to kill as much and he just says yeah. it just 
just nonchalantly as if like that's just something you do. Like you you take out the bag of grain in the morning and you kill someone on the way to the next mission or the next like point of interest. And I don't know I don't know if that's fascinating or not. Like I like that should kind of be this massive comment on how desensitized he is. Yeah. But because he's so removed, like there's no for me there's not that much investment in him. Right. And like and then they throw the tuberculosis thing in as a, as a way to like expedite that morality system and a way to go like okay you need to care about your actions. But that and again could be the complete intentional comment on the way that I'm playing. It became this like fatalistic night realistic thing yeah. where I was just like well nothing matters and I might as well just kill everybody and like oh not that I did but like I might nothing matters so like I'm gonna die anyway and then like there was all that kind of stuff so I yeah. love 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 the differences that we have when it gets to like because <laughs> you just go yep nothing matters I'm gonna kill everyone yeah. oh, I could kill everyone like what's the point whereas I was like crap now everything, everything matters. matters everything I'm doing I like actually gonna... speaking of that too I can I can bring that around to uh, the Mrs. Downs missions um, because I was just they... bring up the stranger missions actually yeah yeah because um, so the, the Mrs. Downs mission triggers if your honour is high enough um, towards the end of the game it's in chapter 6 uh, and, and the Downs family is the first person you go and get the money from that Strauss gives you the mission for which is the guy that coughs on you that gives you the tuberculosis so that was another thing that didn't land for me because I was like in Arthur's journal he's like oh I must have got it from, from uh, yeah. Downs and I'm like who's that guy the guy from 70 hours ago like I don't remember um, but like looking it up there are additional missions that flesh that out and Arthur can have a mini redemptive arc with the Downs family yeah. but it doesn't trigger if you're more, if you're not above the 50-50 mark or at least it didn't for me do you know why I don't think that is as big a deal as people are claiming it to mm-hmm. be because there are so other so many other strange missions during that final stretch that do the same thing for Arthur like he might not be able to get that redemptive with that specific family but you still find out who he is and sort of his new take on life after that diagnosis with like the veteran or like I think it's Charlotte who lives up in the very top of mm-hmm. the north whose husband dies but with them though they're not in the credits whereas Downs is and so, like, with me, I still got Mrs. Downs in the in the credits at the end. Right. And I just went, who's that? And then so I had right. to Google and go, oh, there's a Mrs. Downs mission. And it had a whole thing. And you missed it because you weren't above 50% on it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that just sucks. Because, like, I should have that should have been a fundamental part of the story. It's a fundamental part of his character. Because you can argue that the Downs stuff factors into why he's able to enjoy a sunset at the end. Because he did one good thing. Yeah. And he allowed their lives to continue, you know, sun rising and the next day and all that kind of thing. But for me, it just wasn't there. But then the game kind of goes, ah, it should have been. And then here she is in the credits and it's like right yeah I don't know how much how much weight I put on things being in the credits or not in the credits (laughs) that that downs thing does play don't get me wrong if you act morally in this game that downs thing is a big part of it yeah Yeah. but there are lots of other again there are lots of other things you do in that final stretch where Mm -hmm. you're giving money to people and helping people out like the known and stuff that well you can that's the the same job yeah but you can do anything in this game but that's my point because because it's so freeform they then hang so much on the I mean you can go well it's called Red Dead Redemption you're not supposed it's not Red Dead Maniac you're supposed to be doing something but that's the thing because it's so freeform they let you just go just go off and just go be an outlaw do all these different things but then they hang so much stuff on your ending actions and like and it goes down to a 50-50 split so it's like yeah you can go around giving money out and all that kind of thing and you'll get a better ending but because they encourage all these other stuff I know we talked about it before but they encourage or have the systems in place to let you rob a train to let you yeah. like you know hog tie someone and drown them or whatever then it just it's just it's weird they didn't feel like they had as many different endings that could have addressed those things but then do you not think you deserve that ending if you're at that point you are just being a, a, a bastard <laughs> like do you not just deserve it like if you're not yes. bothering with these strangers like then that's well, what you're playing and then that, that should inform the ending you get it should I think that should they, for me it's just a case of essentially at that point it's a case of more endings because I think right. that that just because literally if you're if you're on the negative side of the honor meter then uh, Micah holds the pistol up to you on the on the mountain and says something about um, you know like, why do you deserve Damos or something and Arthur just screams Damos all and he gets shot Yeah, and it's like just cold and you're just getting executed and it's like that should have been the worst ending the one that's completely 
morally devoid of anything. If you'd get, if you'd never tried with anybody ever, then you should have been just been killed by some guy that has the gun when you didn't. And like that would have been this great comment on survival of the fittest and exactly what the Wild West was and or the Old West and all that kind of stuff. But it's just I don't know. They they have it's so open and like I think you kind of have to go digging to make it work. I think it absolutely mm. works for people like you and you and that played more positively. Um, I still played positively, but I yeah. landed in the second half like just and that kind of broke it. The very end, did you save like John? Oh yeah, yeah, I went with John. Do you not think that sort of plays into it though? Like we've mm. got like downs and stuff. Like I, I guess from the main narrative perspective, if you don't do any of those side missions or strange missions, mm-hmm. then John is his like redemption, saving him and Abigail and Jack is mm-hmm. like him sort of redeeming himself, and it is his kind of final act. With that in mind, is that? Does that not change anything? The thing, because it was so predictable, I didn't like it. Right. Um, Because one of the reasons that I adore Red Dead Redemption 1 is because, like, when when, uh, John dies, when he gets killed by Edgar Ross and the whole crew, um, you come back up as Jack, and then you just sort of explore. And in your own head, you think, "Mm, I wonder if I can go to Blackwater, and I wonder if there's anything there. Yeah. And you just go there, and you find members of his, you know, you track him down. You find out, like, you know, his different family members, and you go, oh, my God, it's it's this big villain. I'm going to go chase him down. And you go family family member by family member, and you find him just fishing by the river, and he's an old man mm-hmm. and he just sort of sits there and you get to do the Inigo Montoya from Princess Bride thing where it's like you kill my father yeah. I'm gonna kill you and that was so powerful because it was a dynamic interaction in an open world game which is what Rockstar should bring to the table something new and so with this one as soon as he got diagnosed I was like well I know exactly how this is gonna go right. and like as much as I obviously I like playing as John Marsden I was like right he's gonna die we're gonna play as John Marsden and then the open world's just gonna be there and there's gonna be some sort of revenge arc and that was literally it because like as soon as the epilogue started it's like right well we're building this the shack and we're going to go kill Micah. Yeah. And then they even seed that with like Sadie being like, oh yeah, I'm tracking him down. I'll let you know. And you go and do it. And then there's a bit of a twist with Dutch being there. But like for the most part, you just finish him off and then it just plays out the exact way you think it's going to. Yeah. And I was like, that's just kind of meh. I don't, for me, that's not a problem just because like this is a prequel and there mm. is a sort of set story this needed to kind of join onto. I would have liked a couple more twists, a couple, maybe something with Arthur and John because it, there isn't really any explanation of why he's not mentioned no, in Never Never Mission 1. But I think where that story ends up in the kind of fatalistic thing of it like mm. you are in that epilogue you are essentially trying to build a new life and if you played Red Dead Redemption 1 you know that life is not sustainable <laughs> and I like the tragedy to that mm. like having to play through that having to play through that hope and the kind of um, Arthur's redemption that ultimately doesn't mean nothing mm-hmm. but you know the way it's going to go that was tragic enough mm. and acted as a nice compliment to the original game. In my I opinion. think that's the thing. I think my, my ultimate thing isn't that, that you know, it's, it's just that they should have, for me, my ultimate thing, personal wish for the game is that I think they should have had more endings that, that widely address the wider array of things you can do across that entire game rather than boiling it down to a 50-50 split. Right. Something that, because you, you could be a complete monster until the start of chapter six and then you can indulge in the positive stuff and he'll still get to see the sunrise. Yeah. Um, which isn't an all-round like messianic ending. It's not amazing or anything, but it's way more positively uh, framed than just getting killed and so my whole thing was I shouldn't be personally I was like I shouldn't be punished or given the evil ending or the put out the pasture ending just because I couldn't get past the 50 mark and like an, an on a meter that is just sort of like this arbitrary measure of other things that you're doing until then yeah like you know and you have a few conversations about honor I think the ultimate takeaway and I do I love this about the game yeah. is that like it's kind of rockstar saying like if you can't even get past the 50 mark then we're just going to put you down yeah and like and I, I like that as a comment on their own history 
history, and I've written about this, but like their own history as Rockstar and the games that they've made, Manhunt Warriors and Bully and that kind of stuff, they've finally found a way to grow up yeah. and make the people like me who didn't feel, who didn't play completely honorably, um, make us feel bad. Um, but the problem with that is that you still built a game that encourages that stuff and recorded dialogue and interactions and animations that it's fun to be bad in those games. So it's like, it's, it's just a strange kind of dichotomy because it, right. for me, it doesn't coalesce. I get what they're doing, but it, the feeling was just kind of like, it just was like, oh man, I've got to go, I've, I've really got to dig for, to the, for this oh, to feel good. Man. See, but, for me, I, again, it entirely coalesced. <laughs> I, I do think they encourage you to play a certain way until they don't encourage yeah. you to play a certain way. Then you're kind of encouraged to be a nice guy and try to help people out. I don't, I, I don't entirely agree with the fact that like the ending you got was like the evil ending, the mm. bad ending, mm -hmm. but it, there was still redemption in there. You still helped John. You weren't just sort of put yeah. down. You didn't, it wasn't all for nothing. There was still a point to be made there unless you went back for the money. Because I know that is a slight, <laughs> slight permutation on it. True. You can, yeah, you can. You can just let John go do his own thing. Yeah. And that's, that, God, that's another thing. Like, we'll probably do a follow-up on this at some point, but it might be part of the Game of the Year discussion is later on. Probably. Um, but that's the thing. Like, you know, you can go, you can move away and just leave John to, to go. Or if you get the good ending with the sunrise, Micah just walks away. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for why John is then cares about getting revenge on him in the epilogue. Like, it makes sense in my playthrough because well, Micah's the guy that executed Arthur, yeah, even though John didn't see him. Micah also sold everyone out, though. He was the guy. Yeah, yeah. I guess, that, I guess yeah, because they sort yeah. of hang that on Molly, but then they twist it around and go, Micah was actually the guy working yeah. with the feds yeah, and stuff. Yeah, like Molly was actually all right in the end. Yeah, which yeah. Like, in my head right now in this very moment means that I can't make sense of why she stumbled in at the camp saying that she sold everybody out. Yeah, I think it was just to get, because all the way like, through, if you like, talk to her, there's multiple times where she tries to talk to Arthur, mm. and then she's like trying to talk about her and Dutch, and how Dutch is being treated bad, and then mm -hmm. he always gets like cut off. Mm. And I think it was just kind of like a final act of like, revenge of like, I didn't do this, but I'm going to twist the knife in you. Like, and Maybe. Yeah, that does. Just a, this is a lie. <laughs> and, yeah, but it, it sends him over the edge in the end. Like, yeah. he, he has lost a lot of people, but that's like the final loss. Like, mm. The person, like he's not, he's not, he doesn't like love her or anything. But well, not properly love her. He's, like, well, that character's barely written, yeah. But uh, like that final act of betrayal is kind of what pushes Dutch over the mm. end. I think that that lie does to kind of dig deep. I like that. I think that like that's the thing. I mean, like person to person, like experience to experience. Depending on how much you like reading films or reading games, and we do because we're massive nerds. Hence the last like half hour. <laughs> but I think that that's that's it's going to depend how much you want to go digging for stuff. I don't mind that. I, I do like sort of taking in like a whole game and stuff. I just. When I hit the credits, I just thought back on the whole thing, and I was like, I just wish that it, it had an ending that was only I got that ending, or mm -hmm. like you know, or, or just more than two, more than a 50-50 split. Although I do get that that's what they're trying to say. Like they assume anyway, you know, if you can't be this good, then we're just going to shoot you. Yeah. Um, and I quite like that more as a comment on them as a studio and how far they've come and, and that kind of thing. So I guess my kind of closing thing is that I think it's an, an incredible game. I think it's like uh, this uh, immaculate open world thing, but I think that its core elements clash for me, and that's that. That's, that's the thing that I think prevents it being Game of the Year. Right. But you reckon it's Game of the Year. And I think it is Game of the Year because <laughs> all of those elements do come together. Yeah, <laughs> and I guess... Disagree, like, disagree more, I think, on this game. Hopefully not. I mean, that's the the beauty of, uh, of Conversation. Although, we can agree that the epilogue is a bit slow and a bit long. It is very slow, but that yeah. song is very good. It but is. you guys let us know what you think down in the comments below. Um, by the time we get to the Game of, the Year, Game of the Year discussions, everyone else will hopefully have finished it too. Um, and we can have a, a wider debate as to where it belongs in the pantheon of greats against God of War, Celeste, and all that kind of stuff yes well, it's number one <laughs> <laughs> it's not number one uh, but you guys let us know what you think down in the comments or get in touch with us on social media this has been the what culture gaming podcast i've been your host scott tilford joined by josh brown hello and goodbye, goodbye. and we'll catch you guys next time goodbye Bye.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.